good afternoon and welcome to the ninth episode of Straight Talking English. My name is Catherine, I'm a qualified teacher and I'm going to be going through the poems in Love and Relationships and Power and Conflict in your AQA anthology. Before moving on to the other lit texts, let's jump in with a poem, Sonnet 29, which I've actually dramatically changed my opinion on. When I first read it, I thought, this is kind of creepy. But when I've researched into Elizabeth Barrett Browning a little bit more, it's actually really cool. So Elizabeth Barrett Browning, fun fact, because her family were obsessed with their surname, she used to sign herself Elizabeth Barrett Barrett. I mean, heck of a choice there. She was born in 1809 and she died in 1861, aged 55. She lived most of her life in the north of England, but moved to Italy when she was about middle-aged. In, well, aged about 15, she developed chronic spinal pain and tuberculosis. Uh, she was prescribed laudanum, which she took regularly for her whole life. Laudanum is another word for opium, the highly addictive drug derived from the poppy, similar to heroin. Didn't seem to have had that many ill effects on her her. But she, today, we would have diagnosed her with quite a rare joint condition. So she had this chronic ill health her whole life. She was an incredibly prolific poet. The amount, the body of work that she produced was fantastic. She was actually considered as a candidate for Poet Laureate at one point, but narrowly lost out to Tennyson. She wrote a book called Poems, which is, um, you know, it's original. And it caught the attention of another the poet Robert Browning. Her dad was mega controlling and would not allow, get this, any of his daughters to marry because if you got married you would be disinherited from his will. Right, okay. <laughs> She got Browning's attention through this book. They had a little long-distance relationship, a little pen-pal courtship, where they would send each other letters saying, I like you. Totally in secret, they got married without her family's permission, and her dad absolutely disowned her. She was dead to him. She chose Browning over her own dad, though I can't really blame her. He sounds like a piece of work. Remember, of course, this is Victorian England. Same era as Porphyria's lover. She is Active. She is choosing who she wants to be with. She is taking control of her own love life. And we know that is a scandal. She, the coolest thing I found out about her actually, Edgar Allan Poe, the fantastic gothic writer and poet, borrowed the rhythm of her work for his poem, The Raven. You'll know it from Quoth the Raven Nevermore, or that bit where it was on The Simpsons. And in the prologue, in the thank you page of The Raven, he credited it to Elizabeth Barrett Browning for how fantastic she was. I mean, I didn't know any of this. Once she died, she was kind of forgotten about. And it was only in the 60s where we had this wave of feminism, the initial first wave, that some writers were rediscovered. And I'm doing the air quotes as I say that, because obviously she wasn't lost. But she came to people's attention again. And I, I think she deserved it, actually. She sounds like a bit a bit cool, a bit of a badass. 
we've got quite a simple sonnet. If you look at it, it's one chunk. Of course, a sonnet is our 14 lines. But if you're big into rhythms and rhyme schemes, you'll notice it doesn't look like Shakespeare's sonnet. That's because there's more than one kind. Shakespeare's wrote what we call Shakespearean sonnets. Duh, named after him. But the form that Browning is using is a Petrarchan sonnet. P-E-T-R-A-R-C-H-A-N. Petrarch was a famous Roman writer, but this form was just sort of named after him. It was a couple of centuries before Browning in Italy that people seemed to think this was how Petrarch wrote. It wasn't, but it's a nice name because we've got our 14 lines again. They normally have eight lines give you a problem and six lines give you a solution. So it's eight lines of I can't find my phone and six lines of oh my gosh I was holding my phone while I said that. The reason I picked that example is because that happened to me yesterday. <laughs> Same as forgetting you're wearing your glasses because they're on your face. But he presents like this one unified argument, this one unified theme. But obviously you are very smart. If you look seven lines down instead of an octet, seven lines that's where the falter is that's where the turn is where she finds her solution so why do it early i mean i would just divide it into two nice groups of seven but it might show how impatient she is like she can't even wait an extra line to share how she's feeling. We've got one extended metaphor. By extended metaphor, I mean one metaphor which is pulled out like chewing gum to make it longer. The central metaphor, of course, is the palm tree and the vines. Oh, my palm tree, be it understood. And then my thoughts do twine and bud about the as wild vines about a tree. Normally, we would think vines about a tree are bad. They're sucking the life out of it. But her vines, as she makes it very clear, are nice, supportive vines that love. The twine and bud is kind of a little beautiful image. We've got the springtime, the little flowers growing. It's very cute. The tree is, and I'm actually quoting Wikipedia on this, strong and stable. Oh my gosh, they clearly wrote that before Brexit. <laughs> the tree is strong and stable. It can weather any storm. The vines are all-encompassing. They are wrapped around it. But it's not necessarily her that's the vine. It's her thoughts. Bear in mind, she is on a heck of a lot of laudanum. And also, she's dealing with chronic pain. Her mind is already full to the brim of just dealing with her daily life. She believes that these thoughts are overwhelming her. This urgency of closeness, the thing that thoughts alone, thinking of her, of thinking of her partner, is not enough. She needs to be with him. The um, three very, well, the triplet that has the two very explosive verbs on the 11th line burst shattered everywhere that's what will happen to her if she isn't with robert everything will just explode either metaphorically as in like her thoughts will get out of control or it could be some kind of meltdown some effect on her health she knows she acknowledges that sometimes she's too clingy that this idea that she could be suffocating him she could lose sight of him where the straggling green hides the wood. St 
struggling like a straggler. She could be the one who would fall behind without him. He is an active presence, he is an active writer, and she's the one who's stuck mostly bedridden in some opium phase. Let's think about the palm tree. As I've said before, I'm coming to you from Greenwich in South London. So not far away from me in the district line is Kew Gardens. They've got those beautiful Victorian huge greenhouses full of these exotic plants. And it was kind of a craze in Victorian times that you had to have your big conservatory full of all your pretty flowers. And they were present all over the world, like I visited the ones in Chicago. It represented of this we want the exotic we've got these connections with far off places we want the exotic in our homes that's why he's a palm tree that's why he's not an oak tree or i don't know a boring north of england tree i don't even know but he's exotic he's different by looking at him by being around him he's transporting her to far off places away from her fairly awful home life i mean he literally transported her i believe they moved to florence but some lovely part of italy and this idea that he's taken her out by being with him he gives her the outside world. He gives her these opportunities to experience faraway placeness. We've got these endless imperatives. I think of you. I would not have my thoughts instead of you. Renew thy presence. Rustle thy bowels. Imperative. Think back to year six. What we call a bossy verb. She's telling him. She's saying we need to be together. I need you to be fulfilling me. Speaking of fulfilling. If I could just get through one poem. Without there being a sexual reference. This would be wonderful. But. <laughs> apparently not today got the euphemism set thy trunk all bare which i think the nicest way of interpreting that is take your top off with the trunk being like a, like a chest think like um the up and down of tree trunk i think it means take your top off but she is very polite obviously a nice victorian girl she is not gonna say hey robert get your kit off Think about the arts and thighs. Again, if it's every time I look at a poem, if it's not sex references, Shakespeare, he does pop up everywhere. The arts and thighs, the these. It all comes back to the Romeo and Juliet, the original kind of sonnet of love. If you're using that form, you've got to use the these and thighs and thous, the traditional form of English that was the formal form. So it's an allusion back to these great love stories going everywhere. Think about the first four words. I think of thee. That's what she's saying. That's everything is this is me thinking about you. Exclamation point showing the extremes of her emotion. But think about the dashes. A dash is a pause used to indicate interruption so what's interrupting her is different memories or her thoughts just going all over the place in different directions bursting and shattering like i love you but i remember this but i've got to do this it's like 
disorganized, wild energy. Let's have a think about their relationship. They had a very happy marriage. They had one child, though I think they had others that didn't survive to adulthood. We've got a really intense, what could be characterized as obsessive relationship. He is static, she is all around him. Even though she wants to renew his presence, even though she has this deep joy and can only breathe when he's nearby when she's within his shadow it is obsessive it's this element of i cannot survive without you we're taking it more literally the vines around the tree if the tree dies the vines will die they need to be they need to have this symbiotic relationship where the tree stays alive enough to keep the vines going and the vine lets the, the tree live for long enough that they keep going i feel a little bit like obsessive love is too harsh mostly because i kind of empathize with her when you're dating someone it is all you can think about but okay okay i'll give it obsessive romantic love we have got an established relationship so it's a little bit different to love's philosophy or porphyria's lover where we have the sense of a newness of one person trying to impress another but instead we have this settled arrangement between them but there's still this first flush of love think about nature as well it's a bit of a weird one actually because some people online say it's romantic with a big r some people say it's victorian with a big v and absolutely she is born and writing in the victorian era but her themes are far more romantic with a big r so i don't know if you've listened to the robert browning episode i did but one of the things that browning did was create Eight poems that were half play, half poem, that had an element of high drama in them. Dealing with emotions in the same way the Romantics did, but staying away from the traditional forms that at the time people felt were boring. Elizabeth, however, we've got the sense of the Romantics' aim to show emotion. And this is a, a spontaneous outburst of emotion, but she does not go into the spirituality or the social criticism that a Romantic would do. So she kind of sits on the fence. In terms of partners, I would put this with love's philosophy as a neat little pairing, actually. Both the idea of natural imagery to get close to your partner. You could argue farmer's bride as well because she's described as a baby bunny and it is this sense of desperation. I can't wait to talk about farmer's bride with you, by the way. I have a lot of theories on that one. Other partners that you could put this with, I would stay away from Byron. I would stay stay away from neutral tones if you wanted to make that said if you wanted to make a point about opposites of natural imagery then yes neutral tones because he's got the pond but it's static it's death and she's got the tree that's life if you want to make a point about positive natural imagery loves philosophy natural imagery in general you could team it with neutral tones but i would say that's only if you're really feeling confident 
while I'm talking about confidence, and possibly slightly misplaced confidence, we have a brand new website up and running, straighttalkingenglish.wordpress.com. There's going to be essays posted up about context, about the background to our poems, so please check it out. Also on Twitter, Straight Talk English, S-T-R-8 Talk English. If you want to interact, if you want to send me a message, we've got two essays up on the website on J.B. Priestley and The Witches in Macbeth. So if you're interested in those things, please have a look, little look through. Next time, coming up in the next few weeks even, we've got Neutral Tones, Farmer's Bride, and then Back to the Power and Conflict with War Photographer. Hope you have a lovely day, enjoy some good annotating, and see you very soon.